Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine. How is long? <laughs> you have a great show. I'm a big fan. Boing. So what, what, what seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the, in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? He ate two feet wiener. Oh, listen, Lavernius, shut your face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Top men. And just like that, we are into the second hour. Welcome aboard the Barbecue Central Show. We broadcast live from the internet every Tuesday night from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We are recording at the same time, so if you can't make the live show every Tuesday, which most of you can't, an alarming amount of you can't, which is fine. It's Tuesday. There's better things to do. That's why we record it. So you can get it on podcast. Hour number one will go up Wednesday or like right after the show tonight, which is close to Wednesday here on the East Coast. Hour number two will go up on Thursday. You're listening to the best show on all things barbecue with my man, Greg Grampy. Thank you, Dion. And then coming up. On Friday, the latest best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less. We'll find episode 190, if you can believe it or not. And who's going to be on episode 190? You ever heard of somebody called Ray Lampy, Dr. Barbecue? Yes. You know, for a string of years in a row, Ray Lampy was uh, also a monthly guest. We revived his old radio segment number of years back called the Ask the Dr. Barbecue segment, which was fun. So it's always go uh, great to go back in history and hear what we were talking about back then. And John does a great job at uh, getting all of the best nine or ten minutes of the segment, making it perhaps even more entertaining than it originally was. And sharing it with you guys every Friday. So you have to be subscribed to the podcast feed in order to get the best moments because that is a true podcast. It's not just a recording of what you're getting here on the live show. Now, if you have a guest or a segment that you've heard in the past that you would really like to hear again in this kind of a format, just send John an email and he'll do his best to meet your expectation. That's J-O-N at com. Uh, email from Aaron in the Kansas City, Missouri area. Greg, and catching up on some back episodes, wanted to give you a tip of the hat for calling out Stubbs Barbecue Sauce, much like the Barbecue Central Show. It's underappreciated and easily accessible. Keep up the good work. Now get Jimmy Daniels from Primitive Pits on the show. Damn it. I've had Jimmy Daniels on the show three times. Hot Dog Ron from KCMO. That's Kansas City, Missouri, for those that are acronymically challenged. By the way, acronymically, a word I just made up. Thank you very much. 
add that one to the list of growing rempyisms that has been going on for the last 12 years or so. Uh, I should reach out to Jimmy, actually. Jimmy's got a fascinating career previous to the whole pit building thing, but a big backyard guy, no doubt about it. So we will talk to him in perhaps a couple of weeks or so. But yes, I mean, Stubbs Barbecue Sauce is from a, a, a macro level or a macro producer. Uh, most of them are terrible in every sense of the word. As generic as they come, unattractive packaging, plastic, 99 cents, blah, the list goes. And then the thing that I hate about most of those bigger barbecue sauces, and again, this is probably where I diverge and become the minority of the consumer and not the majority of the consumer, is when you crack the lid, the first thing that you get on the nose or for you wine folks, the bouquet, is a punch in the face of that crap called liquid smoke. I'm not a fan of it. For years, I've said, if you're going to send me a sauce to review and you put liquid smoke in it, you're going to start at five and we're going to work back from there. But that's me. So if you know you're working it in that direction uh, and you feel confident, send it to me, fine. Or don't, because it's starting at a disadvantage. Dan says, Stubbs sauce laced with devil's urine. No, it's not. It's not. Stubbs sauce. To my palate has a indetectable, non-detectable amount of liquid smoke. And I love the original. I loved it when they used to make the mild sauce, which I used to use exclusively in my baked beans recipe. But I got rid of that. They have uh, a couple different or slash new flavors out right now. But, you know. That's my go-to. I love uh, Sweet Baby Ray's. I find that to be enjoyable. That's a big macro sauce, of course, and it's in that really cheap price point level. But Stubbs is my go-to. There's a couple other local ones around here that nobody else can get that I would use if I could. But again, I'm also somebody that makes my own barbecue sauce. It's phenomenal. Just ask anybody that ever comes over to my house. It's the best sauce ever. Their words, not mine. I just like making it. So we'll see. Uh, still to come on the show tonight, in about two minutes, Susie Bullock and Todd Bullock from Hey Grill Hey. And then, from the great city of Utah, Rusty Monson from Salt City Barbecue, talking about vending out of a barbecue trailer. Let me talk to you quickly about Pits and Spits before we get to Todd and Susie since 1983. Pits and Spits has been handcrafting smokers and grills right there in Houston, Texas. In that time, Pits and Spits establishing itself as one of the premier brands and high-quality offset smokers and, of course, pellet cookers. Pits and Spits setting itself apart by using heavy 7- and 10-gauge stainless in every cooker, fully welded construction that you can feel when you use the unit, and 304 stainless roll-top lids and front shelves on every single smoker. So why does it matter? Well, by using higher-quality materials, you can reach and maintain temperatures quicker, so you can worry more about the meat than the heat. Also, by providing a fully welded smoker, you don't have to worry about grease or smoke leaking out of the barrel, that grill rattling apart as you move it through the yard. Now, where some companies focus on being low-cost providers only, Pits and Spits focuses on craftsmanship and using quality materials. You might be asking yourself, aren't there cheaper ways to make these? Yes! But Pits and Spits does not like tack welds, cheap stainless electronics that you can't trust. 
having in-house manufacturing gives them control over all the designs and standards. Their steel suppliers give you material to be used in some of the harshest environments around. And the controllers are made right here in the States. They have unimpeded transparency into their program. Pits and Spits has a dealer network across the country, but if there isn't one close to you, feel free to call Coy in the shop, 844-650-6250, and tell them I told you to call. Whether you're a backyard grill master looking to cook steaks for the family or a competition team smoking 50 racks of ribs, Pits and Spits is a product for you. You can check them out and all of their products at their website, pitsandspits.com, all spelled out. Or see their pits in the wild across social media with our handle at Pits and Spits. And now we will be getting ready to join by the Hey Grill Hey Squad. By the way, there is, well, we'll talk about the squad here. Uh, stick around. I'll be right back. You're listening to the number one most downloaded barbecue and grilling podcast anywhere. The Barbecue Central Show. Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. And this portion of the show being brought to you by Pit Barrel Cooker. Pit Barrel. The most unbelievable outdoor cooking device on the planet. Currently available in two sizes with a host of accessories. Whether you're a beginner or professional, definitely a cooker you want to add to the arsenal. Visit pitbarrelcooker.com. All right, let's go to the hotline and waste zero more time and welcome in quarterly guests, Susie Bullock and Todd Bullock. Hey, gang. Hey, I like your headband. You know, uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's meat sweats in the front and hey, grill, hey, in the back. By the way, thanks for the... You can choose uh, your own adventure. That's right. Thanks for the complete outfitting of uh, tonight's outfit, which I certainly appreciate. Uh, the girls, you look amazing. The, the girls took the other three or four headbands immediately and started <laughs> fighting over who was going to get what color, and some are in Pittsburgh now, and one's going to be going to Kent State next week, the other one will stay here, and then, of course, have the one that matches the shirt, because if I'm not matching, uh, you know, it's not about me. I'm of high style, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. So we have yes. a, we have a bunch the shirt of shirt must match the headband always. I mean, I, cu- I couldn't be wearing the pink headband with this black and yellow shirt. I mean, that would look ridiculous. <laughs> of course, my friends in Pittsburgh right now are going. You're one step away from being a Pittsburgh fan. No, no, let's not get any weird ideas like that. So, um, last time you guys were on, we talked about uh, rubs and sauces and getting those to market and you know making it through those initial hurdles and you know how it looked from your perspective and then from the customer side of things and got a lot of great feedback on that but soon after hey grill hey goes through this entire maybe you were like in the process secretly going through this whole Uh entire rebrand so how long had you been in that process and i guess the other question is how risky is it to go from being known as what this looks like to now being known what this looks like um it actually took many 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 months i would say eight months to fully complete the rebrand and the redesign um but we did 
So when we initially launched the product company, we launched it under a brand that we own called Patio Provisions. And this was kind of some legal protection based on contracts that I had at the time. Um, and so we set them up as two separate companies, but those contracts ended. We wanted to bring it all into one happy Hey Grill Hey umbrella. And we really also wanted to kind of visualize a brand that felt more in line with who we are and what we love. And, you know, we think that barbecue is exciting and it's vibrant and it's fun. And we wanted to kind of portray that with our products and with our branding. And so it was a long process. It was a very expensive process. It was a very difficult process. <laughs> and uh, we're super happy with how it turned out. But really what kickstarted it was the site kind of needed a refresh. And we designed our products initially with thoughts just to sell them online. And we talked about this the last time we were on the podcast. And then retail started happening. We started having retailers requesting to carry our products in their stores, which is very, very exciting. And we loved our products. We loved our branding. And then we walked into a store and saw them on the shelves and went, oh my gosh, they disappear or they look like everything else or they look like nothing. And so we just really needed a new, <laughs> we needed a new visual uh, representation of our brand that could stand up to a retail environment and that we could have our products on the shelves and that they would uh, pop. pop. They would carry a little bit more of a message about who we are and what we do and, and how we feel about barbecue without saying anything. They just look really fantastic. So that's the direction that we headed and we kind of lumped it all together and we rebranded the products at the same time we rebranded the website and now it's all one big happy family. But it is very, very, very risky. And we've been dealing with some of the repercussions of that for the last couple of months. But what, is, what does that mean exactly? Good. Like, what does that look like? So from the product side, it has been all positive. But uh, rebranding a content website, even the rebrand necessarily wouldn't have been a big deal. But we kind of rebuilt everything from the ground up. And we've been super fortunate with the website. That's how it started was a recipe website, right? That's still really at the heart and soul and core of everything we do is recipes. And we're very fortunate to have a lot of our recipes rank really highly on Google. So if you searched smoke, smoked brisket anytime in the last like two years, we'd be in the first spot or the top couple spots, right? But with a redesign, you really like re-trigger all of the information that we sent to Google and had to recrawl the whole website. And wow. it's been up and down and weird and wacky and, you know, web developing is not my strong suit. Personally, I'm really good at a lot of things, but not that. So <laughs> it's just been like troubleshooting and problem solving and it's all on the up and up and it's been good. But I think it's one of those scenarios that can be best described as like, you know, you can't gain if you don't risk anything. <laughs> it's like everything's a little bit of a gamble and we took some chances and we won some things and we lost some things and I think it'll all work out for the best, but it is risky for sure. Do you bring in some kind of a consultant or do you have oh we got we got are, some of those are, are like did you yeah. <laughs> did you have to pay for those or are these people that you just hold like in confidence like your inner circle and you start tossing stuff around or did it was it really like a business all of the above yeah wow both so we have you know a really amazing group of food bloggers and that's you know where i gained a lot of my recipe writing and developing and you know 
tips and tricks from in terms of actually publishing recipes on the internet and what that looks like in terms of building a brand and a business around barbecue recipe development came from the food blog world. And they all jumped in and said, okay, here's what we've done. This has happened to us before because it is, it's a recipe based website. And so talking to other recipe websites really kind of helped get my head on straight. And then we've worked with a couple of SEO experts. We have a web development team that built our website. So it was an all hands on deck as we kind of, you know, checked off different little problems that came up and, but yeah, it is, it's, it's definitely a process. And I think, I don't know, I think the risk will be equal to the business that you're already doing. You know what I mean? Like I've rebranded a couple other times before when the website was a lot smaller or we didn't have products and it was like, no big deal. You changed your logo. Uh, but we knew this was going to be a big one and we knew it going in because we weren't just rebranding our products. We were rebranding the website. We were launching the app. We were launching new products and new merchandise. So we knew it was a really big risk and we knew that, you know, we were going to take some hits. There's no way to avoid everything going perfectly all of the time, but we decided that it was worth taking taking a chance on it. And I think we're both really glad we did it, even with some of the hiccups that we've hit along the way. Yeah, luckily she's built like she's built like a really huge following and like that's loyal. So <laughs> any loss in Google rankings would will eventually come back because people are searching hey grill, hey smoke brisket and are are going directly to her website. So Google will eventually recognize that kind of um yeah, those habits of users, and it'll bump the rankings back up that we've lost. So that's awesome. Uh, from a financial standpoint, Todd, I mean, for those that don't know, Todd's professional background is accounting CPA. Were you like, hey, this is going to really cost a lot of money. This might be prohibitive <laughs> to the bottom line here, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, every time we every time we make a good chunk of money, Susie just wants to spend it. So it's all good. I'm used to it. Todd's just learned that Susie says, hey, you know what we should do now? And he just like his stomach instantly starts hurting. Just give me a couple years. So just, just chill. No spending. Just let me enjoy my life. Todd is we're so great together because we're completely opposite individuals. Um, he is very much not a gambler and I am very much a gambler. Like I will play high stakes all day long. And so I'm like, yeah, I mean, we lost some. We'll come back. We'll probably win again at some point, probably. And I'm in the corner, like having an anxiety <laughs> attack. So luckily he, uh, he trusts me. It doesn't, I don't think it removes any <laughs> fear or anxiety yeah. that, you know, I want to jump into the deep end of the swimming pool, but I think he's learned to just say, go and do, and it's always worked out for the best. Um, but he's a very good voice of reason. I'm fascinated with the dynamic, of course, because, you know, as someone who has a very, you know, much smaller scale internet business that I have, uh, you know, because I'm producing some revenue, I have some sponsors, blah, blah, but it's just me. I have no producer. I have nobody behind my screens. My wife isn't my co-host or anything like that because, you know, I trust nobody to do as good of a job as me. So that's my own problem. And I have a therapist and I'm trying to work through that stuff. But then there's, you know, you two, you've been very successful and you've grown this into what it is, this huge uh, internet thing. Now you're in the stores and all this. However, there is business to look at. There are numbers to evaluate. So while I can appreciate Susie's 
willingness to say, fuck it, we're just going to jump into the deep end of the pool or off the cliff or do whatever. Has there ever been a time, Todd, where you've said, hey, man, I really love all of this aura and positivity coming off, but we can't do this right now. And, and here are the reasons why. And, and you and Susie, you <laughs> throttle back and say, OK, we'll wait six months or we'll wait a year until the bottom number looks better or we we save X amount. Yes. Oh, man. That happens. Sure. That happens. <laughs> um, I, I, when I get an idea in my head, it's pretty hard to sway me, I will say. But we did, ha- I mean, last year was wacky. We oh. ended up homeschooling our kids for a whole year, and that completely threw an alternate dimension into our existence. And so... Uh, you know, I did have to scale back a lot of things just based on reality and me being kind of lead parent and lead homeschool teacher for these children. And it was awesome. I'm, I'm grateful we had the opportunity and that we worked from home. That's a really amazing privilege that we had to be able to, to do that with our kids. But it certainly uh, forced our hands in terms of scaling back on things that we wanted to do. And that's okay. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think I painted her in a kind of wrong picture she's not like a crazy spender and i am i am and i'm not sad nothing like that or sorry but uh, look (laughs) i I think i think there's a unique business uh relationship and sometimes it's only a Susie or a todd and you don't have the dynamic of you guys taking the best parts of your personality and mashing them together and being successful more times than you're not. I mean, certainly there's going to be business ventures that you might get into and they don't pan out the way you thought, or maybe they're just outright losers. But then you can also look at all the times when you said, hey, this might not work out. And then it goes tenfold better or even bigger, or you get TV or whatever the case may be. So uh, I think I think it's a unique um, dynamic uh, to, to look at how you two both operate and and see how you are able to, to work together. And but by the way, I mean, you're married, you live together, you're together all the time. So the fact that you're not at each other's throat all the time, or at least not showing that to the public is a testament uh, to the relationship and on, on its own. So it's, it's very inspiring. And uh, I think a lot of people look up to it and, and are very envious of it. So congratulations to you guys on that as well. Um, Thank we've you. we've taken a, a, a lot know, of time. It wasn't always like that, but we're good. We yeah. love we love it. Good. Um, so it's let's work. Let's talk uh, these other things new that are coming out. So uh, I, I wanted to like run through the rubs and the sauces, but let's hold on that just for a second. Uh, I want to talk about the okay. app. Uh, there are websites that have apps. There are podcasts that have apps. I maybe five years ago, I thought about looking into one, but I never got farther than thinking because thinking is hard for me on many different levels. So talk to me about the Hey Grill Hey app and how you kind of conceptualized it initially and then how it actually lives and breathes today. So it actually had a lot of requests coming in from readers, regular readers, regular users of the website and said, man, I sure would love to have an app where I can just tap a button. I don't have to go through Google to search. Like I can just have all of your recipes in one place because you're the website I go to first anyway. Can I just open the app and search within the app? Um, And we kind of thought like, that sounds awesome. Um, We looked at hiring developers and it was incredibly cost prohibitive, Mm -hmm. like 30 to $50,000 to develop a custom built app. And we just could not justify the expense because we didn't even know how we would be able to monetize 
an app? Like, how do you make a return on that kind of investment? Um, and so we sat on it for a little while and we kept having people ask. And at one point somebody came up to us and said, well, you don't have an app. So I just kind of like made my own and they had a folder on their phone. And when you tap the folder, they had like dozens of individual recipes that they had bookmarked and added to the homepage and then swiped into the folder. Um, he's like, but it's, I can't search it and it makes me crazy. And we finally were like, holy cow we really need to figure this out. <laughs> and just as it happens, which is kind of like comical, it happens to us a lot. We were speaking at a food blogging conference and we were talking about product development and the website and our business kind of from you know the business side of the company that we're running. And somebody emailed us after the conference and said, you know what, I would love to talk to you because I built an app for my website with a developer and I think I can replicate it for other food websites. Mm. So we spent several months in conversations with her and it was super uh, eye-opening and very like educational experience for us to be involved in this process. And anyway, she's out of Australia. So we were meeting at weird times of day and emails were being sent at all hours, but she was able to kind of create a skeleton based on the app she had already built and worked in features that we thought would be important to our audience and features that we thought would be useful to, you know, our readers based on how people use the site now. And so we were able to build a lot of that functionality into the app. It has a really cool shopping list. It has a really cool, um, you know, search feature. The categories are great. And it, I just think it's fantastic and it's really fun. And the feedback that we have received on the app so far has been phenomenal. We had over 10,000 downloads. We were featured on Google's Play Store as like the app in the entire food and drink category the week after we launched. And the reviews have been really, 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 really positive. Like the average rating for an app in the app store is like 3.2 or 0.8 or something star rating in the app store. And so it's been amazing. We've loved it. We have over 450 uh, recipes in the app and it's just an amazing resource is it something that you have to update and and tend to maintenance wise separately or do you do it through your own like website interface um both so the developer still helps us with helps us with a lot of you know the regular updating from you know our end but it is something that we're taking over and that we can manage on our side yeah every time there's a new recipe we have to up we have to, um, it, they, they've built this, this system that talks to our website and it pulls in all the data and then we kind of mess with it until it looks right. And then we hit live and it goes live basically. Yep. And it's free in the Apple store and the Google play store. Yeah. So you can download it for free. Uh, we do have a premium option because like I said, free is lovely, but the, uh, it's, not free to make it. <laughs> Sorry. I wish it was free to make it or that I could yeah. just swallow the cost, but unfortunately we can't. So uh, all of the recipes are free. It runs ads much like any other website that you visit on the internet or any other app that you use that's free. There is a, a premium membership. You can get two weeks for free when you sign up and it gives you access to all the additional features like the shopping list and the notes and the menu planner. Um, and you don't have any ads, which is really nice. So if you prefer an ad-free viewing experience, you can ex- you can have all that for two weeks for free. And then after two weeks, 
all the recipes stay free. And then if you want any of the premium features, it's just 20 bucks for a year. Is this something that other companies in this space or perhaps just in general should, should have, should most companies have apps that supplement their website or content or anything like that? I don't know. I think it depends on your business model. Um, and I think it depends on your audience. I don't think we would have moved forward with this if we didn't have readers actively requesting it. And that's kind of how everything we've ever developed has come to be, is we had people say, can you please make this for us? <laughs> and our goal from the very has always been to serve our readers to the best of our ability, to serve our audience, to provide the best experience possible. And so when they're coming to us and saying, hey, we would love to see this, we would love to have this experience, I mean, we're the ones reading the emails. We're the ones reading the direct messages. We're the ones seeing comments on social media. Uh, it's really easy to get those messages to us <laughs> because we see them. So we, we try to take user feedback into account and move forward with that. So if your users aren't asking for an app, I probably wouldn't make one <laughs> because I don't know that there is no enough demand for you to build one if nobody wants it. You can always ask your audience, would you like an app? Would you use an app? And if the feedback comes back majority like, yes, 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 we would love it, then wow, congratulations, you might have something. Susie and Todd Bullock joining me from Hey Grill Hey website, heygrillhay.com. You can find them on social media at heygrillhay. Uh, right, and uh, you got meat sweats, you got Hey Grill Hay. I got Hey Grill Hay oh right there on too. Actually, uh, here's somebody just waiting in the bullpen, I believe, outfitted the same. Rusty Monson, do you have your Hey Grill <laughs> Look at that guy. Unbelievable. Jeez Louise. All right. That's, you just back down, buddy. You, you're coming out here in a minute. Uh, Susie, let me ask you um, one more question here before I let you go. To, this is totally off format. Todd, you can uh, weigh in too because I'm sure uh, you, you have an opinion on this. <clears throat> so I have, uh, I'm, a, I'm a father of three daughters, a girl dad, proud girl dad, all that fun stuff. And uh, through the course of you know, many months, I've had conversations with other women in barbecue. And I mean, I always knew from a very high level, I'm not talking about me, Todd or Rusty, but you know, most men are pretty gross and creepy and scummy and all that stuff. So as a woman most? in a male dominated business, I have found especially over the last handful of months that some of my closest friends who are women in the, in this industry are putting up with tremendous amounts of badgery and inappropriate comments and everything that goes above inappropriate comments. And I realized quickly, well, I don't have to put up with that. If I go live on Instagram, I don't have people telling me to do this or do that or, uh, could take something that's in my hand and flip it out and photograph something or Photoshop something else in that women have to worry about. So I'm wondering, as somebody who is very successful in this industry and who is a woman, is this something that you are also having to deal with? And if so, is it something that happens so often that you have become jaded and you just like brush it off, no big deal? Or is it like, I can't believe that I still have to put up with this, where if this was Todd as Hey Grill Hey, 
that would be a weird name for a website for Todd. But he wouldn't have to be putting up with this. Um, there. I think so. First off, we haven't seen as much as I thought we would. I'm going to say that. Yeah. So I, it, it shocks me to know to hear that you've said that about your um, colleagues. We. So one thing that helps is we've completely blocked Facebook messaging on Hey Grill Hey Facebook. Yeah, that was the worst. So we don't just people can't even message us on Facebook, but I'm You have to leave a public comment. Uh, yeah. So I'm in her <laughs> I'm in her Instagram DMs all the time because she We we tag team. Yeah. It's and, hard to stay on top of them every and, day. And people are sending us pictures of their meat, like literally, not in a bad way. Yeah. So it, was, it, it conceals the image and she hands it to me and I'm the I one. I tap that, it and put it in Todd's face just in case. And honestly, in six years, not once have I ever seen anything inappropriate, mm. which has just shocked me. We have not. We kind I think we both expected to see more than we have, but uh, I set a very specific tone for my audience and I am not afraid to block people. I am not afraid to weed people out. If you are going to come to my house, you can be a good guest. And if you're not willing to be a good guest, you're not invited to stay and you will be asked to leave. Um, sometimes you won't even be asked to leave. You'll just have to leave. Uh, I have, we even run a barbecue group on Facebook that has like 80 something thousand members in it. It's, it's, you know, very large and could be considered unruly, but we set very high rules and we said, this is a family friendly page, even with swearing. And so we've just really made an effort, a conscious effort to, be wholesome and to set a standard for our community and our followers that certain behaviors are not acceptable. I also think uh, as stupid as it is and as much as I hate that it's true, I think that it helps that Todd is a presence mm. on my social media because you see him in the videos, you know he's behind the camera, you know that he is there on our Instagram stories and you know that he's there even on our face. Like, there isn't a platform where it's just me on my own. And so I do think that helps. And I think that's really unfortunate. And I feel a lot for women who are putting themselves out there right now that might not have a similar strong male presence uh, to, you know, scare away some of the crazies. But um, we have been fortunate in not having to deal with a lot of that. We have, I mean, I have been proposed to a lot. Yep. <laughs> I get that a lot. Um, I've had several offers for people to become my sugar daddy. They have offered to drive, pay for my car and give me a weekly allowance, which is very generous. Very I didn't nice. even, you know, get a regular allowance as a kid. So that's nice. But, uh, you know, other than that, it really has been a pretty positive experience for us. And I do think a lot of it is that I, I have set the tone from the very beginning. I'm not a very tolerant person of any form of disrespect. And anyone in the biggest names in barbecue that we've met that have been, you know, that, that generation of barbecue pit masters have been nothing but welcoming and gracious and kind. And, and some of them have become really good friends like Mr. Kerry Bringle, who we couldn't see tonight. But, I know I miss you, Kerry. Um, it, it's just been an off for us an overall awesome experience, but yes, it's a shame that, that kind of stuff does happen. And I would hope that it would stop. I don't know if it ever will, if you're listening and you do kind of that thing, like, please don't do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my general motto, and I tell this to my children when they go to other people's houses or walk out my front door is don't be a jerk. And if you think, oh man, this is something a jerk would 
type. Don't type that on the internet. Just don't. Simple, it. simple advice and uh, great <laughs> advice from uh, Susie Todd Bullock. Again, the website, heygrillhay.com, refreshed, and all the products are refreshed. Uh, perhaps next quarter we'll actually get through the products and talk about them and best uses and all that. You can ask Rusty, ask Rusty about the Texas sauce. All right. He'll talk to, you can talk to Rusty about our products. I will talk to Rusty. Next, uh, <laughs> we'll hijack Rusty's segment. It'll be Hey Grill Hey Part 2. The review of products, certainly. and uh, uh, But uh, I certainly appreciate you coming on, sharing all the info, and uh, we'll look for you again in fourth quarter. Yeah. Utah Barbecue represent tonight. Have yeah. fun with Rusty. Thanks, all right, guys. Greg. Take care. There they are. Yeah. Todd and Susie Bullock from Hey Grill Hay, or Susie. Oh, hold on. What'd I do? <sighs> oh, 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 oh. Hold on, Rusty. Celebrating up. Got a little ahead of myself. Here, here we go. All right, stand by, Rusty. Let me talk to you quickly about Primo Grills. What do we love about ceramic cookers? We love that they're fuel efficient. We love that you can achieve low and slow temperatures for traditional barbecue meats. We love that you can get rip roaring hot for high temperature grilling of steaks and other thin cuts. But what's missing in the everyday lineup of ceramic cookers? The real ability to do true two-zone cooking. Of course, two-zone cooking is very important to both professional and backyard cooks alike. It's the best way to manage a fire and cook with confidence. However, getting a two-zone fire and a round ceramic cooker is not very realistic. Why? Because it's round. Enter Primo Grills and their game-changing oval design. This shape gives you the ability to execute the two-zone setup that you desire, it also gives you the other ceramic grill benefits as well. Really, when you break it down, there's more than 60 different ways to cook on the Primo. You're only limited by your culinary imagination. We all know that the lift hinge has been revamped. It gives you that nice eight-pound lift, which is really light. There are more revamps on the top and bottom air dampers, but if you want more and more and more, Primo has you covered. The most anticipated accessory to date, it's out right now. You can get it. It's the Primo Grill Rotisserie. We're turning out great food, including everybody's favorite chicken wings with ease. Go online to primogrill.com to check it out or visit your local Primo dealer and pick one up there. Coming a bit later this year, the Primo Grill Pizza Accessories, so keep your eyes peeled for that one. Here's the bottom line. The best ceramic grill in the business. Yes, patented technology, of course. Two, true, two-zone cooking. Yes. Multiple sizes. Yes. If you just have to have a round ceramic cooker, they have one of those too. But really, consider the oval one for Pete's sake. Visit primogrill.com for a dealer near you or check them out at Facebook and Instagram. Who's ready for a primo? I'm ready for a primo. You're ready for a primo. I know Rusty's ready for a primo. He's ready for everything. And he's ready to come on the show in just two seconds. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the number one most downloaded barbecue and grilling podcast anywhere. The Barbecue Central Show. Celebrating over 10 years of prolific and unparalleled live fire barbecue and grilling talk. And yes, it's still being done from Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Hey, this portion being brought to you by Smithfield.com through the grilling season. Check out smithfield.com where you can get tips and tricks from 
pitmasters like Chris Lilly and Darren Worth, Ernest Cervantes, and Charles Cridlin. Your competitor, go to smokinwithsmithfield.com, report your first place finishes in ribs or shoulders, but otherwise, smokinwithsmithfield.com or smithfield.com. I mentioned it in the open of the show. A lot of us get in the backyard, we're feeling ourselves, our friends and family are telling us how great we are, and they're like, you should go into business, sink your life savings, and get out there and sell your barbecue, mister. Well, that all sounds great, but how do you do it, and how do you go about it, and what should you be considering? And that's why we've brought in the latest and greatest embedded correspondent from Utah, Rusty Monson. You'll see him next week, by the way. But if you can't get enough of Rusty, you're in time tonight. By the way, we're shirt twins. You don't have the meat sweats uh, band headband, Rusty? Um, I don't. It, I, I, last time I was hanging out with Susie at uh, an SEA contest, I was trying to track her down and grab one, and I just missed her at the end when I was going to head over and get one. I finally remembered. I'm like, I need one right now, and, I, and then she had left already. So I will get one, though. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not as, uh, I don't know hair you know i don't have a lot of hair on top of the head yeah it's all oh. right but it does it's not gonna look good at the headband you know right now so i have to find out some creative ways to use it when fair, i do get it fair enough rusty all right so uh first of all uh, we had Susie and todd on just uh, for the segment before you jumped on as somebody who's also a ooh, uh, i'm trying to think of whatever that word is i was gonna say utahian but i'm pretty sure that's wrong as somebody else who lives in utah uh, how inspiring do you find the whole Hey Grill Hey brand? Um, quite a bit, actually. Um, you know, I think with Todd and Susie, what they do for Utah barbecue specifically, and just just everyone, I'm sure. You know, um, anytime you do anything, like I was working as a pitmaster for a local uh, barbecue shop, and they come in and they eat the food, and they, you know, they hey, this was good, and, and they, you know, just really supportive of everything everyone does, and it was really cool of them to just come in, taste it and give me some feedback on what I was doing, you know, and they don't have to do that. And they made time out of their day to come, you know, make sure that they got out and supported what I was doing. And I am one of thousands in this state that they do that for. And I can go on and on and on about people who not only like they have supported, but inspired, including myself. A lot of the the tips I get from them are, you know, kind of move me forward all the time, you know, and it's just, I have a, a crazy amount of respect for her cooking. And so I do seek that knowledge sometimes, you know, and, uh, it's benefited me a lot and it benefits everyone in this state. And I'm sure it, re- it reaches everywhere, but it's pretty cool to see. Rusty Monson joining us here on the show is website, salt city, bbq.co. Mm-hmm. Co. Make sure because yeah. if you go to dot com, you get some flying pig roast or whatever. That so make sure you drop. I, know, the M I don't know end. who this person is. I mean, what are the chances that, that it was also going to be another barbecue website? But it is nonetheless. So uh, go to saltcitybbq.co for Rusty's website. It is out. It is launched. All that fun stuff. Uh, we briefly mentioned it during some appearances over the last few months, but really never got into it until now. But you've recently opened a barbecue trailer, so let's take a look back at the build to open. Let's term it in that way. And as I had mentioned in the intro, you know we can track all the stuff past the open in future shows, but let's talk about building into that. So for those that don't know, you actually have quite a bit of experience in the traditional restaurant setting, correct? 
I do. I've been in the restaurant business since I was 15 and uh, haven't really deviated from it since. I've done essentially every single position you'd want to do in a restaurant um, several times, you know. So it's been a long, very long career. I'm 43 now. I got out when I was 39. So you do the math. It's been a long time. When you get over the mental hurdles of deciding whether or not you want to get into the barbecue trailer business, what are the most important first physical steps that you really have to do to get started? You know, see, I just jumped in. And so I wish if I would have went back, the number one thing you need to do is go to your county. A lot, that's where all your licensing will be taken care of. Talk to your, the fire department. And this is important. People think that it's a health department. They're going to check you off. And that's true. But the fire department also has to. And if they have something to say, then you're not getting open. And so they, you need them to pass you off to. And a lot of people overlook that. And in my case, that really, really set me back quite a bit. And the thing is, is that they were really new to the food truck you know, industry in general. So they didn't, I'm not going to say they don't know what they're talking about, but it wasn't, you know, the same as all the other counties. So your county might be different. Your buddy, even in the same state coming from one county has a food truck and he's rocking and rolling and everything's fine. And then the one in your county has a problem with your, let's just say fire suppression system for your smoker in the back of your open trailer. So you never know, man, it's, it's a trip. So get with those guys first. That was a big hang up for me getting going and it's just that kind of thing talk to those people before you go to the build talk to those people before you plan it uh talk to those people because you might not be able to do it you know you, you might have a smoker that just is not conducive to their law and that's going to make it so you can't open the truck period or you're going to have to deviate from your normal plan quite extensively and is that something you want to do i mean gosh man it's a uh, it's crazy it's crazy starting <laughs> these things is there ever a conversation that takes place um, with you guys on because food trucks are real trend? I think they're still pretty trendy right now. I mean, it seems to have some allure where it's all in one. You can travel fairly. I mean, it's its own traveling, and you can set it up, work out of the back, whatever. Then you have the trailer, which of course everybody knows the concession type trailer. Did you think about food truck at all, or was it always going to be trailer for you? You know, I've always wanted a restaurant since I'd read Anthony Bourdain's Kitchen Confidential back in, I want to say 2000. And I was working at a bistro as a bartender. And at, up till then, I had just, you know, worked for money, you know, and I just wanted to get by and have fun and go hang out with my friends and be a bartender and work as a waiter. And then I read that and I was got real serious about opening up a restaurant. And as time went by, you realize how difficult it is. And when I finally got to the point where I could, you know, seriously think about opening something and then that switched to a barbecue um restaurant or food truck you know you don't want to just jump right in to do uh you know a restaurant because that's three hundred thousand dollars and that's almost at a minimum just to get started so that's an investment you're going to make that if you don't get it right and you don't have proof of proof of concept and you're not busy and you're not making money because meat prices are insane yeah you're going to go out of business so that quickly turned to food trailer specifically a trailer because of the smokers and that's really what pushes it over the edge and so that's been in that's been in my mind for about three or four years now and doing this specific thing but i'm if you i really like the idea if you can get into a trailer or a truck do it first proof concept see if it's something you want to do 
people don't get the restaurant business, man. They think that they're, you know, going to quit their nine to five desk job and jump into one of the craziest businesses you'll ever want to get in. I mean, it is, it's insane. You, we watch Hell's Kitchen and you're like, ah, I mean, it's not far off, man. It's a crazy, crazy environment. So you got to know all those things before you get into it. So when you decide trailers is something that is already existing for you, or do you have to go out and do the whole build process, find a partner and all that stuff? I, one of the reasons I started a trailer first is because I don't want a partner right now. I have just recently got off, uh, helping out a, um, a company with uh, a barbecue restaurant who had a several partners and seeing that was really scary to me and that the relationships that were either ruined, you know, it, it was like, a, it's like a game, episode of game of Thrones, you know, at that restaurant all the time. And I'm like, you know, I don't want that. So I tried very hard not to go that route. And when I went to get a trailer, I got it for competition, but my competition mindset, we were true grit barbecue when we first started. And I'm like, that's not marketable. That's not something I can do. You know, I'm not going to be true grit barbecue and open up a restaurant. You know, <laughs> And so Salt City Barbecue was more of a move to make it more marketable. And uh, that's kind of why <clears throat> I went that way. But the route we went was we got the trailer for the competition team, knowing that one day it's going to be a catering or a food trailer. And so we didn't work with a builder. Um, well, I didn't work with a builder. We didn't, I didn't do that part, which I wish I kind of would have now, you know, after the trials and error I've gone through, but we built it out slowly. When I had the cash, we would throw a, a nice true refrigerator in there. And when we had the cash, we would throw a Alto sham in there, you know, and it just kind of, it was like the Johnny cash song, you know, build uh, one piece at a time, you know, and just build it out until it was ready to go. So it was kind of a slow process, but a cheaper one. For sure. How long did it take you to go from however it was existing to where you have it today? I got the trailer, um, I want to say a year and a half ago. To, yeah, but a year and a half ago. So about a year and a half is how long it took to get it up and going and actually opening its window to serve some food. That's how long it took to realize what I wanted to do for sure and then start piecing it together one by one. So a lot of these trailers, six months, usually you're up and going. It was a year and a half for me just because I wanted to take it easy. I wanted to pay cash. I didn't want to take any loans out. I didn't want to have any investors, you know, and so that was my route. And um, it was a little longer, a little harder. A lot of things you have to do on your own when you're not handy. I'm, ha I'm not handy. You know, I don't, I don't even know where my oil is in my car half the time. You know, that's just how I am. So I'm having to fix things myself because, you know, you'll find that no one knows what they're no one fixes food trailers in your area. I'm pretty sure. So you have to do a lot of stuff yourself. So that's it takes a long time to get everything going. One of the biggest decisions on the whole food trailer or food truck, if you're going to do that, is type of cooker. So how do you decide on a cooker and is what you had originally thought what's on the cooker now? So I, I have now an old Hickory CTO and I use drums to kind of do some certain things that I like to do drums with certain, so like ribs particularly, cause I really like the flavor of ribs on drums. So I do that. I really wanted to go the route of stick burner offset, you know, the whole Texas thing. And, uh, you know, I felt like if I was to do that, that I'd have to do a certain niche and I'd have to be locked in this little thing. So I like the idea of kind of opening it up to doing whatever I wanted in old hickories. They're a lot better for that. You know, I can really open this menu up and I can even turn it up and just shut it down and say, you know, I'm gonna do this culinary barbecue thing. And I can do that with what I have 
in the old hickory a little bit easier. But most importantly, when I do open a restaurant, which is the plan, is to I can teach anyone how to use it. You know, I'm not going to be able to really consistently keep business going on a stick burner with people that one, we have winters here and it's really cold. So a lot of wood Two, how am I going to teach this kid or person to run this pit like I am. And so that was the deciding factor was the ease of use and the, basically like I think they're more versatile in my opinion. Rusty Monson joining me here on the show and he is the proprietor of salt city barbecue. Uh, do we call it salt city barbecues? barbecue trailer or we just call it salt city barbecue sure. what do you want to do you know how it is it's like I, I live in bluffdale and that's just outside of salt lake yeah. so i'm not going to say to you hey i live in bluffdale You're like where i'm like salt lake and it's the same thing with food trucks it's like i have a food trailer i'm like what i'm like oh, okay i have a food truck and then it's funny because like that's a trailer yeah that's not a truck i'm like oh my god it's i don't know what to say it's just it's like they're they're there you know they're spelled differently they all mean the same thing you're fine you understood what i was saying move on but it's a trip it's a trailer <laughs> it's a trailer all right salt city barbecue <laughs> <a> <laughs> uh, barbecue vending operation and uh, that can right. be it can move from location to location so there you go we'll take yep. it from there. uh mm-hmm. you had mentioned Getting with the county, you had mentioned going to see uh-huh. the fire department. Are there any other paperwork or health things or other items that you want to get on that checklist so you're ready to go as quickly as possible? Yeah, you have to take a serve safe food manager test, which is you have to go study for the test, take a preempt test, and then take the real test. And it's it's a good like if you were to do it all in one day, it'd probably take you like ten hours. Wow. It's a really extensive test. I actually failed it my first time out, which is really funny because I come up in the restaurant business. I should know all this, but uh, that's just one of those things. So get don't feel bad if you if you fail the first time I did. Um, but you have to get one of those. And we work with county licensing. You know, a lot of companies work with state licensing. We work with county licensing only. So wherever your commissary kitchen is, and this is Utah only, and, I'm, and so it could change from your state, but in our state, you get a commissary in a certain county and that's where you get all your certifications from your fire department and your health department. So um, that's, so we're a county. And then if I wanted to serve in another county, I have to apply for that county and I basically fill out paperwork, pay them a fee and they send me a you know certificate. Like, there you go. And that's something you have to re up every year. So for us, it's really nice because I fill out an application. It's a hundred dollar payment and I get my, my uh, vendor permit. But then every year I have to go back and do that every single year. And they're not going to come out and remind you. So you have to go back through with every single county and make sure your your ducks are in a row and stuff like that. And then you have to re-up all those permits every single year too. So that's going to be kind of a challenge. But yeah, there's the health, the fire, the serve safe, the county permits. Am I missing something? Nope, that's it. But it's still a lot to jump through considering all those people have certain requirements of you. And any one of them can shut you down. So it's kind of it's it's very important to really dot all your I's and cross your T's. Is there a lot of unannounced check-ins, or do you have to tell them where you're going to be every single weekend if you're going to be vending, and then anticipate that one or all of those agencies might show up to try and catch you doing something wrong? They do, and they do it often. Um, is working in the food restaurant in the restaurant business in the brick and mortar part of it. You know, they come not very often. And uh, when they do, 
you know, you easily can be like, and I never did this, but it happened all the time. It's like, the health department's here. So-and-so would go over to the health department guy. Other guy would go clean up everything you need to clean up and make sure it's okay. They do that for food trucks, but they do it far more often. In fact, they'll come to almost every big uh, event that we're at and there'll be one or two of them there checking your truck. And you, there's no like, hey, you know, go clean. It's just like they walk right onto your trailer and there they are, you know, and they're looking around and making sure you're okay. And then they'll check you off and then you're good to go. So, yeah, you have to be watching out for them all the time. This Saturday we have an event and they'll be there. They've already announced themselves, which oh. I didn't know that was a thing, but I know they're coming. So, yeah, they'll be here this Saturday. What about menu? I think when a lot of either restaurants or folks that are in your position – start to look at a menu they initially think of stuff they could probably do really well but inevitably it seems to swell into stuff that i look at and go why would you even have that on there i've always been of the belief and i would never do this but i've always been of the belief that i would start out with a fairly limited but in a majority of acceptance kind of a menu and then if things take off if i start to make money uh, after a handful of months, as the concept proves itself that I could go ahead and add cornbread to the menu or a hot dog or, or something outside of where I think my expertise might lie. So how do you put together a menu? Well, you put way too much on there and you take off. That's what you do, apparently, because I thought I had a pretty decently small menu and I was wrong when you're running with five different proteins you know, and one's not selling very often, you kind of got to check yourself. So, you know, it's a good idea to kind of scale it back and just focus on things you're really good at. You know, even if that I know food trucks right now, there's a barbecue food truck that's in my commissary now, and all they do is sell ribs and burgers. And that's it. You know, that's great. That's cool, man. So just do what you want to do. I would start small for sure. Unless you, you know, unless you're like, blessed by God, and you have five employees that are just dying to work with you and you have all the money to pay them and they can do all the prep for you, then knock yourself out, do 10 different proteins and do whatever. But the reality is it's going to be you and your wife who's way too busy and some of your friends who work full-time jobs who you don't want to bother. And that's, and it leaves you basically doing the prep all week. So you're, you start thinking to yourself like, oh, I should have done that, man. I shouldn't, you know what? I'm just going to sort of pull pork sandwiches and chips. That's kind of where I'm at right now. But that's not true. I have a lot of things on the menu, but I wish I just, you know, maybe did one of those specialty things, but it starts small. I would, I want a little big, I, I like to keep it bigger. And a lot of people, you know, they like to cut corners and do pre-mades and stuff like that. And I don't, I don't, I'm going to make everything fresh and from scratch and certain recipes that I love and it makes things harder, but you know, and that's the whole thing, you know, it's like with the whole, I just want to say something, I'm a little tan tangent real quick. Central Texas barbecue is not craft barbecue, okay? Anything that's good is craft barbecue. Anything you put your time into and you want to make better and you try to get better at all the time, that's craft barbecue. So if you think that the only way to be legitimate is to get that offset smoker and do that Texas-style Central Texas stuff and now you're craft barbecue, it's bullshit. Don't do it. Just do your damn best. And that's craft barbecue. Make the best food you can and don't quit until you, you know, you, you never quit. Always try to improve on your food. That's craft barbecue. So if you're really into that part of it and trying to be a hipster about it, man, just try your best. And that's the best you can do. That's, I just wanted to say that it's very important to my heart. What about costing? How, how does one go about figuring out what to charge? So you don't end up 
finding out that you're losing your ass somewhere along the line? There's two ways to do that. Um, your provider, your uh, food vendor, sometimes the big ones will have those for you. So you can actually take all of your menu items. You're going to have to make them. So you're going to make a five by of beans and you're going to portion them out into six ounce cups and then find out how much you have. And you got to dial that in because every little sec, every little like ounce count. So then you put it into those, uh, you put into this. Okay. So I have this, 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 and this, and you make your menu, put how much you're going to charge and actually gives you a food cost on the side. So you can start taking and adding to what you want to it to make the food cost what you want it to be. <laughs> if not, I suggest restaurantowner.com and signing up with them because they have some really cool sheets you can do and make your own. And you can dial that in because there's nothing more important than knowing how much food's going out at what cost to you it is. That is number one. If you don't know that, you're going to fail eventually mm -hmm. or you're damn lucky. So that is number one out the gate. You have to know what your food costs you. And then you have to know what to charge to make a profit. And a lot of people don't consider all the things that go into it. You're like, oh, I got ribs. So it's seasons and sauces. It's it's butter. It's honey. No, it's tinfoil. It's a spoon. It's your guy cooking it. It's the your commissary payment. <laughs> you know, you got to factor in all these things. And so a lot of people miss that. And then they're wondering why they're not making money. And that's why. So that's number one. I think you have to do before you even get started is to dial that in. Number one. Rusty Monson breaking it all down as he has just opened up the food trailer. Where are you going to be at next? Where are you slinging it? Well, if you can't tell by my voice, I'm, I'm down with the COVID and, uh, I'm on the ass end of it. So hopefully I'll be healthy in the next couple of days so I can do Wendover, the barbecue and beer fest, mm. beer and barbecue fest. Um, that's where we'll be. And then after that, we'll be at tomato days in, uh, Hooper on September 3rd, <laughs> 5th. So it's a, a, that Saturday, the first Saturday of the month and that next Monday we'll be at Hooper tomato days, which I'm really excited about. So that's going to be super fun. So yeah, come on, hang out with us and eat some food. SaltCityBBQ.co is the website. I'm sure there's a calendar of events or anticipated events you have that are going to be coming up. So go ahead and make sure that you sign up there or follow Rusty on social media, of course. And uh, you can see him also next week right here on this show for his traditional embedded correspondence segment. And who knows what tomfoolery and shenanigans we'll be pulling off next week. Rusty, really appreciate the insight here. I know a lot of folks that are being championed into doing what you're doing now are going to be able to take a lot of great information from this and apply it to their own situation, or perhaps it's scared the shit out of them and they've decided that this is way too involved than they had even anticipated and they're not willing to take the risk at this point. And by the way, good for you if we've scared you out of it because that means you really weren't down for it in the first time. If you're hearing everything go, oh, I can't wait to crunch numbers and talk to uh, agencies... Yeah, well, then you're probably the right person. You have that right makeup to get into the trailer or the food truck business. But if it has scared you, then we've done you a service here this evening. So uh, take it, it's not a bad thing. Just know what you're getting into. And, Rusty, always appreciate the time, my friend. Thanks so much. Hey, I appreciate the time. That was really fun. You got it. There he is, Rusty from Salt City Barbecue. Again, the website, saltcitybbq.co. And you can see a full listing of where he is planning to be. Hopefully he's on the right side of COVID so he can do his uh, Wendover Beer Fest and a barbecue event.
And then there's other stuff coming up. August 21st at the Peppermill Casino, I believe there was something on there as well. Always great chatting with Rusty. Great info. Once again, if you've just tuned in, you missed a lot of great. If you want to open a barbecue trailer or food truck talk, uh, this would be the business leading up to the first day of when you open. And the next time we catch up with Rusty, we'll talk about the actual operations and what it takes to cook and how business is looking. Plus, he's probably a little bit ahead of the game. He had a trailer. He took time with money that he had made and saved and reinvested into the trailer. So he's not in debt. And like he said, he doesn't have investors. So he's not having to repay out of the revenue that he's bringing in from the trailer when it's open. And that's the way he did it. Let me talk to you quickly about Big Papa Smokers, the one-stop online shop for all things barbecue, a curated selection of only the best outdoor cooking and grilling supplies. We'll get you on the path to better barbecue results in no time. Everything at Big Papa Smokers has been pitmaster approved by Sterling Big Papa Ball himself. You know about the rubs, of course. 13 perfectly balanced flavors with popular flavors like Sweet Money and Cattle Prod and Cash Cow. They also own Granny's Barbecue Sauce. So if you're looking for a new go-to sauce that will please everybody, Granny's traditional yet powerful flavor remind us why we fell in love with barbecue in the first place. Find Granny's Barbecue Sauce and other top-rated barbecue sauces over at BigPapaSmokers.com. Aside from the rubs and sauces, they're selling cookers, and you know this. Are you looking for a versatile smoker that's easy to use? Check out that Mac 2-Star General Pellet Cooker, Big Papa Smokers, the exclusive Mac dealer, even offering special packages. Not a fan of pellet smokers? Take a look at the Old Hickory Ace BP. It's the only charcoal smoker that Big Papa trusts on his competition trailer. If you're not sure of what grill you need, call them. Ask questions, 877-828-0727. You can also shop the website at BigPapaSmokers.com. That's B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A-Smokers.com. We are back to wrap the show. Right after this, stick around. We'll be right back. Whole packers, full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Rimpy. And we are back. This portion brought to you by Vortic Watch Company, a small batch watch custom manufacturing and vintage restoration company located in northern Colorado. They take antique American pocket watches and turn them into wristwatches. Their mission, preserve and enhance the legacy of manufacturing excellence in America. In order to do that, they combine traditional and cutting-edge technology to create unique, quality, functional timepieces with exceptional value. And here's the coolest part. Each watch that Vortec makes is a unique, one-of-a-kind piece. Vortec founded on the motto that America wasn't assembled, it was built. Check out VorticWatches.com for more information. No, I don't have mine on tonight. Why? Because somebody was considering the purchase of one, and they asked if they could see how it feels to wear around. So I lent it out. Don't worry. This person is 100% trustworthy. Absolutely. And if you live around here and you want to wear one around just to see how it feels and how it looks and how it matches your outfits and all that other stuff, just ask me. I'm happy to loan it out so you can have a go at it. And they've been selling like crazy. Oh, my God. They had this one watch two days ago. It sold like in 24 hours. 
But it was nice and big, 49 millimeter. And it was a railroad style watch, which is the first one I've seen in any number of months, which can only mean that my watch could be on the build here quickly. Now that they have the new lever process uh, all worked out, hopefully. So we'll keep track of that. But, you know, I like to loan it out, let other people take advantage of it. Why not? All right, let's get out of here all the way back in the first hour. We talked with Stephen Reichland. He's got a new line of mail-order barbecue. Planetbarbecue.com will be that website. Save it now. Then once it goes live, you'll be ready to rock and roll. Also sign up for his newsletter. Then we talked or attempted to talk with Kerry Bringle. Didn't work out. I've talked to him. I think I've lost complete internet here, but that's all right. I'm going to keep going through the open. We tried to talk with Kerry Bringle. It didn't work. He emailed me, said we'll get it hooked back up here sooner than later, so I apologize for that if you tuned in. Then in the second hour, it was trouble-free coasting. Susie Bullock, Todd Bullock, HeyGrillHey.com is their website. We talked about the new brand refreshing and revisions, the new website relaunch, the app launch, all that fun stuff. And then we close it out with Rusty Monson, also from Utah. We talked about him getting into the barbecue trailer business leading up to day one of opening. So, hey, great fun. Big show planned for you next week. Fourth Tuesday brings Derek Riches and the embedded correspondents. At the very least, we have some other big names already to lock and load as well. So stay tuned for that. So how do I always leave you? September 11th, 2001, I will never forget. And until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Reppy. Good night now. This is Dion Blumenrader with Big Hoss One Sauce, and you're listening to the best show on all things barbecue with my man, Greg Rempe.